Blessed be the name of God. I come to you with the word of God now, to your rooms, to your doorsteps, and I bring to you the name of Jesus. Today, my message is tied to lessons from the important man. Lessons from the important man. And we will look to the scripture, John chapter 5. John Gospel chapter 5, from verse 1 to 9. And I know that someone will pick two or three points from this message that is coming inspired by the Holy Ghost, and it will transform you. And I read John Gospel chapter 5, in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethsaida, having five porches. In this lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, weeded, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, and troubled the water whatsoever then, first after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Will thou be made whole? The important man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another stepped down before me. Verse 8 says, Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Hallelujah. I want to... Pass on some lessons from the story of this man. This is a man who was infirmed of impotency. He was impotent for 38 years. He has been there possibly from birth, or may not, but could not find an answer. Now you see, this man infirmed for 13 eight years was in a place of answers. He was at a particular location. I want you to know that where you are or where you will be at soon 
contributes a lot to whether you have joy or not. But that's your decision to make in the ways. But this man who found for 13 years was at a location that has been described to be the best place to have answers. And that was at Jerusalem, at a ship market, at a pool in the Hebrew town called Bethsaida. Well, this man was there for 38 years and never had an answer, but was at the place of answer. How many of us desiring a thing for so long and yet we have been under the anointing, under the presence of God for so long and yet not having an answer? Whom should be blamed? That is a lesson to take note of. Whom should be blamed? God and me. All the people that have been around me. Why haven't I had that healing that I so desire so much and I've been in the presence of God for this long and yet have no answer? He stayed at the pool for 38 years. A place of the miraculous. A place of favor. A place of joy. A place of hope. For staying in sorrow for 38 years. There should be a reason for that. There should be a reason to have been in a place where absolutely he could have an answer, but never had. There would be a reason that we would look into. And if you discover at this place of the miraculous, at this place of joy, at this place where you get favor, he was not the only important man there. They were all the important men. Not just important, they were all the kind of sick people there as well. And they were not just two, they were not just three, they were a great multitude. There were a lot of folks who were sick that were there. So it was not just that important man. There were a whole lot of sick people there. But this man, Jesus, the son, that he has been here this long, or he has lied here this long, and could not have an answer. What's the uniqueness of this place? 
that should have given him answer or had been giving others answer, but never had an answer by himself. But still says, now there is a Jerusalem by the ship market, which is called on the Hebrew tongue by side of heaven five porches. Verse 3, in this lay a great multitude of important folk, of blind, hard, weeded, waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4, the uniqueness of this particular location for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. The same measure of impact, healing precisely, was accorded to whomever stepped into the water. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So this pool was unique because it had the signature of God in it. It had the presence of God. And you see, for us theologians, we discover that this was prophetic about redemption. The angel there symbolized, the angel coming down from above down to the pool symbolizes the Lord Jesus coming down on earth. The pool is the earth. The people around it are those who live in it. So it symbolizes redemption. The whole story symbolizes the coming of the Lord Jesus. So Jesus, at one certain day, chose to just walk by his signature. And the Bible says that the angel of God went down into the pool at a certain season. Now, this certain season could be a month, could be three months, could be 12 months, could be 36 months, could be a year, could be two years. But sure, we know in the scripture that God said that our affliction is bought for a moment. Glory to God. Our affliction is but for a moment. We are not to suffer affliction that long. 38 years was so long of being impotent. 
And it's not God. God is not trying to prove or show himself by letting you suffer. He wants you out of that suffering. And that is why he makes provision for you to be out, to up out, to up out. Whatever case that may be, glory to God. Our afflictions are about for a moment, not for so long, not for so long, not for so long. Glory to God. So the, the, the time wasn't exactly mentioned, but it was for a certain, at a certain season, the angel went down into the pool. Possibly daily, the angel went and troubled the water. Possibly, I don't have details from the history of Jerusalem about when and time, about when the angel would come, but it said a certain season. I'm not aware of any tradition that mentions the time or possibly the day. But in the scripture here, it said a certain season. That that certain season could be weekly. And having come to understand how desperate God is for man to be made whole, for man to be redeemed, for man to have joy, I sure would say it wasn't so long. So the angel came at a time that they needed him. So he was always there by needs. So he went down into the pool and troubled the waters by needs. So the needs and the yearning of the people who needed help put the angel down to the pool. Their cry and their desire, they are waiting, surely invoked the angel down to the pool. And the angel made sure that everyone had healing. I know the scripture says, whosoever first. Yeah, it says, yeah, that whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water. Now, someone will say here that the first here means the first person to go into the water. Oh, God. It's not, I don't think that's what the scripture is saying. Now, look at it properly. If you have your Bible, it says, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water whosoever there first after now the warrior first means willing it also means honor now I think the warrior first was not referring to whoever jumps in there first After the trouble of water stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he had. 
Now, I may be wrong on this in particular. But by reason of my understanding with God, I know that God wants everyone whole, made whole. Or possibly by reason of man's attitude, this scripture was established, this particular rule first was established of being the first gets the healing, the other does not. Because I can't see anywhere in the scripture where it said anyone who goes in after the first will not get healed or will not be made whole. Because I know of the atonement of sins. When the sins of Israel and the high priest were atoned for, it stays a year. Every year it was world renewed. The covenant was renewed. So the power, the walked right into that pool Backsider had a staying power. Possibly because of the Old Testament rules, but yet still had a staying power. May not be internally, but it had a, a staying power that was temporary. But it wasn't just in seconds after the first had stepped in. But this man so much had an excuse for not being here for 38 years. Okay, there were a great multitude there. And you have been there for 38 years. How sure? If you truly needed this healing, if truly you were so desperate to get these desires of yours to light, you would have stepped into the pool to be sure either you would not be healed. There is no excuse to be in a place of answer. There is no excuse to be in a place of favor. And not yet get what you're looking for. It's foolishness. Maybe Jesus didn't look at it that way or maybe you were trying to sympathize with his failure. Now let's look at a particular scripture here. Verse 5. It says, And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years, when Jesus saw him lie, I knew that he had been now a long time in that case. He said unto him, Will thou be made whole? Now look at what I'm trying to bring to us, the lesson I'm trying to bring to us. The important man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, 
Another step is down before me. I can't see a case in this tradition that meant that after the first has stepped in, the second won't step, can't get healing when he steps in too. I can't see a tradition. I can't see a rule or a law that stops the second person who steps into the pool from not being healed, from not getting his desires, from not having his needs met. I can't see a law from this scripture. I can see a story that is told. And I can see lessons I can learn from. God wanted everyone there healed. But they limited themselves. They hindered themselves by how they talked. That is the lesson in the story. How you think lifts you up or beats you up. I come again. How you think lifts you up or beats you up. I I, I can see this man, how, how dearly he dealt with himself because of how he thought. God wanted them all healed. Is he not the son of Abraham? He is. Jewish by tribe. Not a stranger in the land of Israel. But 38 years in the miracle center and nothing has happened is your fault. It's how you thought. It's what you think about God. What you think, I say again, lifts you up or beats you up. And it's clearly in the, shown in the scripture about this man. Because now Jesus was no more that angel who would come down from heaven into the pool. But now he is born and he's on earth. The anointing and the anointed walking on earth. With the anointing without measure. And he came across this man and the son. That this man has been here this long, 38 years. And was not healed. And Jesus asked him. Will thou be healed? Why would Jesus ask him that question in the first place? Because Jesus had observed him and observed the environment in two, three seconds and discovered psychologically that this man has been here because he has not been willing to be healed. He lacks the courage to be healed. So Jesus put it to him as a question. 
Oh, Jesus would have just walked there and told him, rise up and take your bed and walk. You see, some scripture will say, and Jesus had compassion on him and healed them. But in this case, Jesus had to throw him a question. Just imagine you suffering as are the, the trending sickness now, which is coronavirus, and Jesus walked by you and saw you in the sign that you have been suffering coronavirus for a while and said, will thou be healed? I'm so sure if you had the strength enough, you would make, you would slap him. Because what kind of question is that? I want to be healed. But Jesus knew what was in this man's heart. So he asked. He wanted to be sure that this man truly wanted what he had. The Bible said, don't throw your gifts on swines. And Jesus knows well not to do that throwing his gift on swines. Swines are the unbelieving. And that is why the Bible makes it clear that if you don't believe, you don't get anything. If you don't trust God for a thing, you don't get a thing. If your faith weavers or wavers, you don't get anything from God. You don't get things wavering, wavering in your faith. The Bible said, because they did not miss the word of God with faith, they didn't get to the promised land. So God wouldn't throw his promises upon swines. They aren't believing. They have to believe, then get the gift. You can't be baptized in the Holy Ghost if you don't believe that the Holy Ghost is, a, is on earth. That God has sent the Spirit of God to us. If you don't believe it, you can't get it. God will not throw his gifts on swines. I repeat that. So God was trying to be sure in the person of Christ asking this man which could be me. Will thou be made whole? Maybe I throw that to you. Will thou have these desires of yours? Will thou have this job? Do you want to be married? I remember a story by Brother Hagin. about asking a young woman who walked close you know she sat at the Rama church and he asked this lady do you want to be married she was shocked she was shocked but she said yes the following, following days, 
a man proposed to her and she was ready. And she got married. Sometimes God puts questions to us to know if truly we are ready for what we prayed for. So Jesus asked this man, will thou be healed? My God. And you know what that man shocked me with? He shocked me with excuses. I'm so sure that Jesus was shocked. Oh God, obviously, I know. Possibly if Jesus had no discernment of spirit, he would have just gone right on and lay hands. And nothing would happen. But he was able to know he had the knowing spirit. The Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you God for the Holy Spirit. He had the knowing spirit. He had the Holy Ghost. He had the spirit of the old mini science. Woo. So he asked the question. Will thou be made whole? And look at what the man said. Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled. Come on. How does this relate to? Will thou be made whole? I think what he should have either said was no or yes or no. But he began to say was saying something that wasn't relative to the question. Instead of giving an excuse, I have no man, verse 7, when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another step before me. You see, as I said earlier, how we think. So I could, I could, I could from this, he has just said, judge, why he has been there for 38 years. Come on. He's been there for 38 years and couldn't get a miracle because of how he talked. So possibly. Before, as I am coming, another step in. Who told you, if he stepped in, you stepped in, you both won't get healed. Who told him? Was it the high priest who told him? Who was the source of the miracle? Who told him who was the, who designed that platform of the miraculous? Wasn't it God? God said, I speak once, you hear twice. When did God give this important man a revelation of whoever that were there? That if the first person who stands and gets healed, the door is closed. The window is closed. Who said that? That is in God that I said. So, but he had a lot of excuses. Oh, what if I, I step into the pool and I get drowned? <laughs> what, what, if, what if that? What if that? What if that? What if that? He had it in mind. And when Jesus came around, and wanted to divinely heal him. You see how what is. 
What a man. Glory to God. Jesus be praised. The woman with the issue of blood suffered many things. Hallelujah. By the hands of the physician, she said in her heart if only I touch the garment of Jesus I will be made whole she truly wanted a healing she was thinking dirty smelling You'd rather be with a pig than being with her. Because you don't understand when a woman is having the issue of blood. You'd rather be with a pig than being with her. But this woman had the courage that showed by what she taught in her heart. What she said within herself. I have suffered a lot by these physicians of Israel. But if I don't do something, I may die with this shame. Then possibly she considered the itinerary and schedule of Jesus and discovered that Jesus was a moving man, <laughs> the moving anointing. Going everywhere, doing good. Glory to God. So she said, okay. When Jesus is walking by, wherever I see him, I don't care. So she searched for Jesus all along. And she said in her heart. And she said, I touched the garment of Jesus. I am made whole. Nothing less, nothing better. The garment, I made whole. You see, sometimes you need to decide, you need to arrange, you need to pattern how you get what you get from the Lord Jesus. No one says you can never be healed if the presence of God is there. Do you know what is the Shekinah glory of God? How can the Shekinah glory of God be in Jerusalem at a certain time and a man is giving me excuses why he had stayed there for 38 years? I'm wondering. I'm wondering. Who told you that if you were coming Oh yeah, I'm going to get my healing today. And one walks by with the speed of light and walks into that miraculous pool and get healed. That if you two gently walk into desperately through the need of healing, that you can get your healing. Who told you if you walk into the pool, you won't get your healing? So look at it. 
For 38 years, he never even made an attempt to be the second person in the pool. <laughs> 38 years, he never even tried to show truly that he needed this healing, that he truly needed to be made whole. At least he would have been the second person. His feet would have touched the pool. But if you see, the Bible said here, he never stepped into it at all. If you read the scripture here, you'll discover he never stepped his feet into the pool. Because he said here, but while I am coming, another stepped down before me. So I think he never put his leg into the pool. Because if he had, and he didn't get healed, he would have added that excuse here. And I went in the second place and I didn't get healed. But who told him that only the first would get healed? He had a mindset. He had a thinking pattern that patterned his downfall. That patterned him in the world of shame. How common that is to us now. How we pattern our life in the in the career of shame. We pattern our destiny in the career of shame. Always saying things that never mattered. If only we had the willingness to have what we needed. The woman with the issue of blood had what she needed. She reached out to Jesus. She reached out to the one who is the anointing and the anointing. And he got what? And she got what she desired. But this important man was just there. And giving excuses. But thank God for the mercies of God. The important man got healed. But would you want to wait for that long before you get married? And attach it, oh God is merciful. God is will be merciful. God will still be merciful if you only spend two years after school and you are ready to marry and you get married. You don't need to stay so long. You don't need to get up to the year of 40, to the age of 40 before you be married. You could be married 25, and it is God's mercy. You could be married early enough and it is God's mercy and not late. Don't wait till when you are late and you are saying it's God's mercy that had made you get married. When you thank God for God showing mercy on you at the age of 45, she that is 25, he that is 25 is also thanking God for his mercy and grace to be married at that age as well. So what stops you from being married at that age? It was your, the way you thought. The way you think will deprive you of God's privilege. I want us to note that. The way you think will deprive you of God's privilege, of God's promise. 
we have to change how we think. Our thinking should be getting what we want at all costs in the name of Jesus. And God through the scripture has taught us how to do that. Not to sit around and blame why we have not had what we need. That's for failures. I have not gotten this job because I don't have anyone in this world that can connect me to any job. I can't get the job because I have not received a certain recommendation. Who told you that? Oh, you little. Oh, you man of little faith. Who told you that? Who told you that? You don't need any connection other than the connection in the name of Jesus to have your job. Just do the protocol. Put your CV up, send it to wherever concerns, and tell your CV you're getting me a job in the name of Jesus. Who told you because you don't have the good faith you can get married? Who told you that? Oh, I don't have money, that's why I can marry. Don't worry, you stay up to 15, you see, I don't have the money you're looking for. But God wants you to have everything at the right time. The lines are falling to me in pleasant places. It didn't say tomorrow, pleasant places. It suggests now. The lines are falling onto me in pleasant places. Why will David make that prayer? Because he needed something at that time and the lines had to fall in its place. He needed that event that he was about to take that was about to take place to fall to his own favor. He needed the war to be at his own favor. Not because they had mighty men, but because he knew who was with him. The first lesson you need, you need to learn from these, be careful what you think. Under God. Be careful what you think under God. Be careful what, how you think under God. And number two, have a large volume of understanding of who God is. It gets you to your place on time. Brother Hagen told a story about when he was sick at the point of death. He was paralyzed completely, absolutely, totally paralyzed. Paralysis had authority over his body. If there's any word I can describe that, I'll use authority over his body. 
For people, we are saying things. The church, we are saying things. Healing and for. Healing and now. It was in the past. The apostles had healing. Not for us now. The devil talked him out. But he did one thing. He told them to give him a Bible. He had the Bible. He read the scripture to know God for himself. And knew what God had in store for him. If that important man had knew that God wanted them all made whole, he would have even led the whole great multitude of folks who were sick into the pool at the same time. And all would have gotten healed. But they had no idea of the interest God had for them. So they thought God was jumping, the first gets you wait until your turn. God is a God of now. He's the God of faith. I say he's the God of faith. So Bro Hagen came across the scripture, Mark 11, 23 and 24. Verse 24 says, Whosoever, whatsoever ye ask when you when ye pray. Believe that you have received it and you shall have it. And he took the step of faith. He moved his feet. He believed that he had his healing. He moved his feet. He believed that he had received his healing. He moved his feet. He had the healing. He stood up from the bed. He had his healing. You have to believe you had the job already before you submit the CV. <laughs> it's not after you submit the CV you're saying, Lord, favor me. He favored you before, if you knew, before you submitted the CV. Whatsoever you ask when you pray, believe you receive. You believe in God for a wife, you receive it. When you pray, God, give me a wife, you receive it. But you have to believe you have received it. You have to know that God has given you the wife before you can have it. You have to walk like you have one. You have to think and talk like you have one. But you see, this important man never had that attitude. And I'm putting it to you now. That be careful on how you think under God. Be careful. If you don't want to stay longer than you have been in this case, in that case, in that situation that you are in, it's time for you to uh, change your mindset. Will thou behold Jesus is asking you now, right now, right now. Will thou have the job? Jesus is asking you right now. Will thou be married? Jesus is asking you right now. Will thou have the desire of yours? Jesus is asking you right now. 
Just as he asked that important man, will thou be made whole? The question is, would you want to give excuses like just the man did? Or would you want to say, yes, I want the job. Yes, I need the job. And take the step of faith. I pray for everyone listening to me. That the spirit of faith rest upon and abode in your hearts. In the name of Jesus. The spirit of God transform your heart. I pray that the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ will enlighten your heart of understanding, your eyes of understanding, that you may comprehend his glory in the name of Jesus. And if you are hearing me and you are not saved, you don't, you've never believe that Jesus is Lord and your Savior. That he came down on earth to save you, to die for your sin and wash you clean by his blood. And you want to make that prayer and you want to be saved. You are having this yearning in your heart to be saved. I want you to say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know And I desire you. I know that my father sent you on earth to die for my sins. And wash me clean by the blood. I believe in you as my Lord and personal Savior. I say yes, Lord. Hallelujah, you are saved. And if you made that prayers and you need more of God's word, you can contact me on my through my email, livingeagle.mega at gmail.com. God bless you. Hallelujah.